0: You're listening to the Empty Stringers Podcast, where every week we talk about locating, catching, and the conservation of redfish. My hope is to share with you what I'm seeing from the polling platform so that together we can catch more fish. Think of it as your weekly fishing report. Welcome back to the podcast, folks. I'm your host, Matt Parrish. And man, I can feel it spring is coming on i had to my yard started to grow i had to mow my yard and um also if you'll notice so the big this big cold snap that we were supposed to get wasn't much of a cold snap i think that it got down to 39 degrees in houston one morning and by that afternoon it was in the high 50s and then that was it uh Every other day, it's been low, lows in the 50s, highs in the 70s, and uh, that's going to continue. So, here is what's going to happen. The water temperature needs to be close to 70. I don't know what the exact temperature is, but when it Is close to being sustained, or spends much of the time in the afternoon around that seventy mark for an extended period of time, a few several days in a row, maybe like a week, week and a half in a row. uh, All that bait is going to start hatching. Shad's going to hatch first. uh, Shrimp, shad, glass minnows, all that stuff is going to hatch. Small bait fish, and then the shrimp are going to hatch. Now, I have a lot of people that reach out to me. And kind of tell me what they've seen on the water, and I love that. Uh, sometimes my buddy Kevin will reach out if he's gone going out, and he'll tell me what things look like. He's been laid up; he had uh, knee surgery, so he's going to be back on the water soon. Um, but uh, when he when he's out, he gives me a report. If Chris goes out in his kayak, uh, he'll give me a report. Paul gives me reports. Um, my friend Cody was out yesterday. No, I think it was today. So today is what's today today's Tuesday. No, today's Wednesday. Yeah, today's Wednesday. Uh, It's been a long week. The Cody went down to a particular bay system that I don't fish very often, but I do fish once in a blue moon. And he swears to me that he saw lots and lots of freshly hatched shrimp. Now, that is very difficult for me to believe, but I trust Cody. I know he would not lie to me, and uh I'm pretty sure he's seeing what he's seeing i it's a it's that's just really early, but with it happening where he said it was going to happen uh means that it's going to happen for uh for me in my area in maybe a week or two, but that's exciting. So spring is coming on a little early. We are still going to get cold snaps, but they're going to be these cold snaps that may dip it into the high 40s overnight, back up into the into the high 60s the next day, and then 50s and 60s, 60s and 80s is what we're going to be dealing with for highs and lows uh, through March. And then the last little cold front is going to come in right around Easter and then we start to move into a summer pattern. What's going to come along with this spring is the wind is going to blow its face off and you're just going to have to get used to it. This is the time of year when we do things we don't want to do because of the wind. Sometimes we have to drift fish. Oh, I hate drift fishing. But sometimes when that, if that wind's blowing so hard and if you got like right now, you've got low water and the wind, if the wind's cranking, you got nowhere to really hide because you can't get way, way back up into the marsh and there's no fish there anyway. So you've got a drift fish and, um, it is what it is. I, I do it. Sometimes I just hate it. I'd rather be polling in some back, uh, lake somewhere. But the pattern is going to go as such. The shad are going to hatch. They're going to be itty-bitty. There's going to be glass minnows. There's going to be, you know, in April, we'll have some baby crabs and stuff like that. All of that stuff is going to be really small. And it's going to make fishing tough for just a little while because the fish are just going to have an enormous amount of menu options to pick from. There's gonna be a lot of small bait in the water and the way to fish that is uh, twofold. You either match the hatch and hope you get bit that way or you throw something that's gonna make them mad. You throw something that looks edible but looks like it might be competing with them for that bait a topwater will actually do the trick in that situation. Um, Kevin, Kevin's outside, has some cool uh, topwaters, custom-painted lures, and he's got some cool um, wake baits. Also, uh, Diamond Outreach, uh, my buddy uh, uh, Wayne Griggs has uh, some cool custom-painted uh, lures as well. I picked up some of those at the at the fishing show. Got some cool topwaters and and some other stuff. So uh grab some of those and and try throwing them. I have gotten some redfish to eat when I've thrown. Uh in particular, I remember this one instance where uh there was a small shad in the water. They were everywhere. There's bait popping everywhere. You could tell there were redfish in there chasing them. I threw a dark colored paddle tail I threw a light colored paddle tail I could not get them to eat I threw multiple times into the mix of this bait could not get them to eat I had a top water tied on for this instance I threw the top water out there and I got what I think were the only two redfish in that little group there uh, I got both those redfish to eat they were identical in size uh, they weren't that big but then we had another time we're in a back marsh small tons of small bait we can see this bruiser of a redfish and he's uh, he's patrolling about a 15-yard area and uh, he's going back and forth and he's crushing all this little bait. Well, I threw everything I had at him. Couldn't get him to eat. Chris starts throwing everything he's got at him. Finally, uh, ha- for some reason, he had like this rattling rogue stick bait tied on like the, the old bass lure and that fish crushed... Uh, Crush that bait and it was a stud it was like a you know 27 inch uh heavy fish so you can you can make them mad and get them to eat that way in the spring now when the shrimp kick off it's going to be uh a seagull city like looking for gulls flying low over the water those fish are going to be uh, grouped up in the middle of the back lakes they're not going to be uh, pushing the shorelines are going to be in the middle of the back lake uh, running under goals. If they end up against the shoreline, it's just because they started out in the middle and they end up pushing them all the way across the lake and then pushing up against the shore. But typically, they don't, they're do not they not going to run the shorelines like they do in the fall. In the fall, that you're looking at the shorelines, you're looking at the snowy egrets, all that stuff. That's not going to be the drill for the spring. It's going to be seagulls out in the middle, uh, shallow water, muddy, gross, shallow water, and uh, that's where they're going to be. So I am looking forward to that. I'll deal with the wind. As long as we have big schools out there to chase, we can make it work. So uh, I'm wondering what's going to happen. I have a dilemma. I need to go finish the fence or at least get further on the fence at the Baytown house but I really want to go fishing tomorrow, especially after Cody told me what he told me. Um, so, but I've, I've just got to probably be responsible and go finish this fence because it's about to be, it's about to be all on my shoulders at that house. They're finishing painting this week and then it's just going to be me. I'm going to have to go in there and do all the things. And so, uh, getting a jump on the fence is probably the wisest move. So probably won't fish tomorrow. And I've got, uh, we won tickets to the rockets game on Friday. And that's the other reason why I should do the fence. Cause I'm not going to get to work on it on Friday either, but I'm also not going to get to fish on Friday. Cause, uh, I've got to work. And that means I've either got to work when I get done recording this podcast or I've got to work, uh, tomorrow, at the house and for my normal job. And then I've got the rockets game at like two thirty on Friday. So all good problems to have. I am not complaining at all, but sometimes when things get real busy like this, I'll stay up later and work on the computer, taking care of normal business stuff so that I'm, uh, freed up during the day to go to things like, you know, a rockets game or go fish, but it's all piled up too much. And, uh, I'm going to have to work tomorrow at the Baytown House. So that that just is what it is. Those shrimp will have to wait for me on next week. Speaking of next week, uh, the Galveston Redfish Series is not this Saturday, but next Saturday is the hourly tournament. I am fishing what I think will be that entire series in the youth division with my son Reed again. He'll be slinging his uh, new custom rod from Turner Rod Company. And uh, he has not been on the water for a while, so I'm a little nervous about it because he just hasn't had very much practice. But we're just going to go out there and have fun. We don't care if we win or lose. It's more about just having a good reason to spend time on the water. So I'm going to fish Thursday and then uh, do a little scouting on Friday of next week and then tournament. And then the week after that, I go on vacation with the family for spring break. And then when I come back, it's going to be game on for uh for booking trips. I'm going to start booking paying customers uh, during that time. So um, I've had a few people reach out. And here's a, why maybe I sound like a little urgent about it. I've got lots of people floating out there that are waiting to pick their date. Um, and I'm afraid they're all going to get, you know, uh, picked before some of you folks who haven't reached out, uh, start doing so. So go look at the calendar at cappedmattparish.com and, uh, pick a date. It should show the date open. You'll see Thursdays and Fridays. If it's open, click on it, pay the $50 deposit and save that day. I can fit two people in the skiff. Um, so, uh, pick a buddy, y'all split the cost or take your, your dad or your brother or your wife or whatever you want to do. And let's go have some fun. The, uh, Airbnb is also starting to kind of fire up. I'm starting to get bookings on that March. Uh, most of March is booked for that, but there's still a few days open. If you want to book my place in Bayou Vista, uh, and you would also like to book a trip, that's great. But. If you want to do that, email me at empty stringers at Gmail, because I will want to make sure that the the booking is available for the house so that you're not booking a trip with me and then the house ends up being booked. So we need to do that all kind of at the same time. So uh, you can do it all yourself through Airbnb and the website. It's all on my website, captain C-A-P-T. Matt with two T's Parish with two R's dot com. It's got a Holiday House link. You click that, it takes you to Airbnb. You can book it. Then you can go back to my site and book the trip. So those are your instructions. Um, do that. I've got five or six already uh, on the books that I, I need to just nail dates down for. So enough of that. Um, I went fishing Tuesday, yesterday. Uh, and I don't normally fish on Tuesdays anymore, but uh, the stars aligned. Sarah had a PTL meeting at the school, which means she could take the kids to school. I had a good buddy of mine I've known for a long time uh, named Tim. We go, we've we been going to church for the last 13 years together, and uh, he loves to fish. His dad loves to fish. His dad had been sick for a while, and uh, they wanted to come out on the skiff, and we've been trying to make it work forever, right? And yesterday, the stars aligned, and we did it. And uh, here's what I will say about fishing right now. If you're going out in the next few days, water levels have been really, really low. That's about to change, uh, and it may even change today but uh, or tonight, I will look that up right now. Why not? Uh, Because see, what's happening is water levels have been really low and the fish are very scarce on the flats. When you run into a fish, power pole down, anchor down, and comb the area really, really well because there are other fish close by. They're grouped up, sometimes in groups of four to six, sometimes in groups of two, but it's rare that you find one fish all by his lonesome. So water level, just in case you're wondering, it is eight eighteen PM, Wednesday night, water levels at 1.13 above the MLLW. So that is already about a foot and a half above what it was when I was out yesterday. So, we're on a high tide right now. I mean, it's about to be high tide. So it'll drop back down to pretty low uh, tomorrow. Not, not any crazy level change there, but a little higher than it's been. So the fish aren't way back up in the back marshes yet. Uh, That place is kind of a ghost town. You can run across a fish or two uh, back there, but I'll give you an example of how the trip went with uh, Tim and his dad. We were polling in a relatively shallow water up near a rock ledge. I pulled about 300. Yeah, I pulled about, I'm going to say 300 yards down this rock ledge. Did not see a fish. Did not see a bait flip. Did not see anything. Until I saw a fish, fish, tucked up close to the rocks, looking outward. Tim threw, threw his lure out, fish hit, he set the hook, fish came unbuttoned instantly and then followed his lure and then turned off on it on the last second. And so he was bummed, but I was like, listen, there is at least one more fish here. Very close. Let's really look at this area. And so within casting distance of that fish was another fish doing the exact same thing, tucked up into the rocks, looking out. His dad threw out, hooked that fish. So I'm on high alert now because I'm like, all right, I don't the, the probability probability that there are more fish in this area are good. So I'm slowing my roll. I'm not pulling as fast. I'm paying way more attention to the landscape and to the water, and I'm trying to spot a fish. You pull for three or 400 yards and don't see a thing, you start to get bored. You start to not pay as close of attention. And uh, when that happened, I really keyed in on everything. Well, we rolled up, rolled up on two more fish, um, and Tim and his dad doubled up. Uh, One was really small. The other was a decent size, 23 and a half inch uh, redfish. And then we had a couple other fish that we had decent shots at and they just wouldn't eat. Um, And caught like three trout also on accident. But um, so they caught four redfish and three trout. So not a great day. uh, But considering the circumstances, it wasn't as bad as it could have been. And so it's like feast or famine. Like when you run into fish out there, hunker down, patrol the area, search it. Like I will do things this time of year that I won't do other times of year, such as uh, instead of uh, pulling like along this rock ledge, like I told you, and then just not seeing anything and firing it up and leaving, I'll turn back around and I'll go pull some open water nearby there to see if I can see anything out there because sometimes they're not tucked up into the rocks. Sometimes they're out off a little pocket reef. Sometimes they've found uh, a foot elevation drop or a pothole that they've decided to go off in. And uh, you really have to be diligent uh, about honing in on all those little things. And I'm I'm much better at that when I have like clients on the boat as than when I'm just fun fishing. Like when me and Chris are out, I don't you know, Chris is a very proficient uh angler. I don't have to, you know, guide him or teach him in any kind of way. He he knows the drill. We've been out a million times. But uh I will notice that when I'm out with clients or people that, you know, like Tim and his dad who weren't paying customers, they were they were buddies, but I wanted to give them the client experience uh I will really hone in on the details and I'll I'll go that extra mile to pull some some spots and stay in an area that I think is holding fish and really pick it apart and that will serve you well this time of year because you're not gonna just run across a fish every 30 40 yards like you do in uh in the fall or when it heats up in the spring so So that's what's up. But I really think we've only got another couple of weeks uh, and then things are going to get real good. So I remember last year during the hourly GRS tournament, Chris and I fished it and we we had caught five redfish by 8.30 in the morning and we were chasing schools. Now, none of them were very big and we didn't weigh in anything that would have won us. Anything, but we had a strategy, and our strategy was like we were going to go to the weigh-in early, at nine o'clock, because you can weigh in each hour after nine. So we're going to go in early at nine o'clock and hope nobody shows up. Well, people showed up with tanks, you know, and so it didn't work out. But but I remember us already being on schools and and having done really well up to that. Part of the morning, and then the wind just got stupid, and things died off, so uh, yeah, we'll see what happens coming up. I'm gonna be watching it really closely next week. Don't think I'm gonna get out on the water uh any for the rest of this week, but it's happening, and uh you know, I would say that the marsh is gonna fill up probably. In about a week or two, it's gonna start the water levels are gonna start to rise again. We're gonna start getting those big spring tides coming in um It won't really really kick off like that until the next full moon. We've got a full moon in four days uh and that's gonna help but uh the next full moon is when we're really gonna see a jump in water levels and if we can get a little east in the south wind then it's going to blow some water in. Your southwest wind is is going to typically keep the water stable or or low. Your south wind can, you know, let the tide do what it's going to do. It doesn't have a ton of effect on the lowering or raising of the water. But your southeast can really pump it up. And so if we get a few days like that, you pair that with the full moon, uh, in about a month, uh, we're gonna start to see some higher water start to see a lot of bait flooding into the back of uh of the marshes and so that's when it really starts to turn on. but I can feel it spring is happening winter winter's gone we're just in purgatory right now uh, of you know I don't really believe in purgatory, but you know what I mean so that's what's up. If you're going to go fishing, slow down, be more methodical, pick apart an area. Don't let the fact that you're not seeing a ton of bait really bug you too much. Work the structure. If they're not tied close to the structure, pull off the structure and and work more the middle of the area. The more the wind blows, the more the fish are going to tie themselves to structure. So keep that in mind. Um, the only caveat to that is when the shrimp kick off, when the shrimp kick off, the, the schools of redfish are out in the middle of the lakes chasing them. And so they won't, but when they're not chasing schools of shrimp in the middle of the lake, they're going to be tying close to structure. So if that wind's blowing, trust me, they're going to be, you know, they're going to be laid up next to a little pocket reef they're going to be up against a grassy shoreline that's when people start talking about those windblown shorelines it can be a thing in the spring uh, but it is not a thing in the winter so uh so yeah i hope you guys get out there and catch some fish let's get into the bible tidbit we talked about gideon last week I thought it might make sense to go ahead and kind of finish that story. So we talked about him laying out the fleece and all that. Now let's talk about when he decides that he needs to go into battle. And uh he has all these people with him. I think I think it was somewhere around like thirty two thousand or something like that. And uh God says, Hey, Gideon. You've got too many people with you. Now keep in mind, the camp in the Midianites is described in the Bible as as like sand on the seashores camped in this mountainous valley. There are so many of them. And getting already is outnumbered. But God says, Hey, you've got too many people with you. I want you to go to the Go to the crew and say, Hey, if you're afraid, get your stuff and go home. So he does. And 22,000 people leave and go home. And then I can only imagine Gideon is feeling pretty upset about that. Well, God comes to him and says, Hey, man, you still got too many people. 10,000, that's too many. Take them all down to the water and have them drink. And anyone who gets down and laps up the water with their tongue like a dog, set those people aside. Anyone who kneels and like takes their hand and cups the water and brings it to their mouth, tell them to go home. So 9,700 of them kneel to lap the water with their hand. And 300 of them get down and lap it up like a dog with their tongue. And God says, we want the dogs. <laughs> we want we want you to, I want you to keep the 300 guys that got down like a puppy and licked the water up with their tongue. All those civilized folks, send them home. So he does. He sends them home. And uh, that same night, God says, hey, take your men go into the camp and I've given the Midianites into your hands. And he's like, if you're afraid, take your servant with you, go spy it out. When you get down there, just listen. And, uh, and you'll hear uh, something that will strengthen you. And so Midian is afraid and he takes his servant down and they're listening outside of the camp, and they hear this Midianite telling another one of his soldier buddies a dream and in the dream uh they've basically been plundered, and his buddy, who's hearing the dream says uh, that is surely the sword of the great warrior Midian I mean great warrior Gideon, and he's given." Uh, the God of Israel has given us over to them and they were struck with fear. And Gideon is confident now. Just think of all the things that God has done to to give him confidence with the fleece and then with this. Now, granted, if I had 300 people left and I was going to go up against, you know, an army that covered the valley like like sand on the seashore, I would be afraid. And so Midian comes back, gets his 300 guys. They go to the camp. Uh, Basically, chaos ensues. They break a bunch of bottles and and make a bunch of noise. And chaos ensues in the camp. And they turn on each other. And they're killing each other. And Gideon and his men conquer and uh, cause the Midianites to flee. And they uh, they win. And uh, that is that. And so... I want to highlight a few of the parts of the story that I feel are incredibly important. So, number one, at the very beginning of this thing, God says, Oh, mighty warrior Gideon. Gideon's like, God, um, my family is the least in the tribe of Israel, and I am the least in my family. Basically, he's like... I'm the weakest of the weak. I'm the bottom of the barrel. My family's the least honored. I have the least honor in my family, even like you pick the lowest guy on the totem pole. And uh, God has a habit of doing that. I think that's cool. God was patient, painstakingly patient with Gideon in, in giving him the boldness and the confidence to do what God wanted him to do. God made sure that Gideon had a very small number of soldiers with him. And he gives us the reason why in the text, he says to make sure that Israel doesn't boast and say that it was by their mighty hand that they won the battle. He wanted to make sure that God got all the glory and it didn't go to some... They couldn't sit back and go, well, we really whipped those guys because we're strong and we're great and all this stuff. So he picked... The least of the of his servants, Gideon, he gave him uh a very very small group of soldiers to work with, and he's doing all of this for his glory for his namesake, okay uh, another thing he sends Gideon and his and his servant down to the camp, and God causes a Midianite who is not a believer in God, okay? He's not like, uh, he doesn't have any kind of belief in uh, in the God of Israel, the God that, that we believe in. He causes that guy to have a dream and he causes the guy's fellow soldier to interpret the dream. This goes to show that God is sovereign over Everything he is causing unbelievers those Midianites and uh Amalekites or whatever they were they're they're uh they're idol worshipers they worship Baal that's why they were so mad about Gideon tearing down the altar, so God is in control of everything, not a hair falls from your head apart from the will of God that's from the book of Matthew, so knowing that God is in control of everything, and knowing that God made these things happen in the this battle, the way that He did, so that He got all of the glory, we can conclude, because God is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, forever. He never changes. We can assume, and with confidence know, that God is still sovereign over everything little thing. He is still patient and kind towards us, and He is still out for His namesake, for His glory. He hasn't changed. So, look at your life and the events of your life and the things that are going on in your world through that lens, because God is still working that way. And that. Here's our Bible tidbit for the day. If you would like to get a hold of me, email me. Emptystringers at gmail.com. If you want to follow me on the Instagrams, I'm on I'm at empty underscore stringer. Stringers with an S on the end. Sorry. I'm on the TikTok search empty stringers. And I'm on the Facebooks, but I don't post a lot on there. Uh, also Speaking of Facebook, if you want to go, my wife and I had our, I guess what you would call our testimony uh, videotaped because our church asked us to do that, and it's on the Facebooks. Um, My wife shared it. I think I was tagged in it. You can find it. It's out there. If you want me to send you the link, email me. I'll send you the link to it. Um, It's a little weird to see it on camera, but uh, it's cool if it helps someone. Uh, what else? Caden Lures, they did not get to release their smaller paddle tail at the fishing show, but it is coming out soon. And when it comes out, I am buying a whole bunch of them. And I will tell you about it. I'll tell you where to get it. I'm looking forward to that paddle tail coming out. I will tell you that of my uh you know, meanderings at the fishing show, I ended up with several paddle tails. I got the i have been looking for a paddle tail that works well on a 3ot weedless hook k wiggler has a uh, wiggaloo junior it works great on a weedless setup uh the dsl burner shads that i like to throw sometimes are not they don't work very well on that weedless setup and the cadence work fairly well on it, but they're still a little too long for my liking. The uh, I like to throw them on a regular jig head. That smaller Caden uh, paddle tail that comes out is going to be a quarter inch longer. It's going to be three and a quarter inches, I think. And that's going to fit great on a weedless setup. Uh, it's going to also be money on a normal jig head. So look for that to come out. And if you are interested in buying a Sabine Skiff like mine, come take a ride. I did some stupid stuff in it, uh, yesterday. Uh, it just does, it just, it is like driving a four wheel drive Jeep through the marsh. I had dropped Tim and his dad off and we ate lunch, went a little bit early, we ate lunch. Uh, and then I was back at the house by like one o'clock. Well, I had till about two thirty till I needed to leave. And uh, I wanted to go check on a few things. Well, the, even though the tide had changed and was coming in, it was still lower in the back waters of the marsh than what I had um, seen when I was out there with those guys a couple hours before. But I decided, and it was our, we ran through the back just to check on some things and it was uncomfortably shallow. Well, I went back there anyway, and uh, I turned a corner and got out into one of these back lakes that I always kind of crossed through, and there wasn't any water. Uh, there was puddles is the best I could say about it. So I just had mud and puddles. I had about 75 yards of that, and uh, I hammered down. I had to turn kind of at the same time, so I had to feather the throttle a little bit, and uh, maneuver it just right and right when that turn gets gets too hairpin to to make it in that mud the water started to get a little bit deeper and i was able to i was able to dig down and and i made it just fine but i mean the things that that skiff can do I scrape over oyster all the time it's not a problem it's an aluminum uh you know skiff it's solid it it's just i love it if you want to take a ride on one let me know I'll take you out. We'll take it for a first spin, or book a trip. You get to see the whole deal in action. Uh, if you want me to put you in touch with Brian, I can. You can also uh, go to his website, and there's info on there. I think it's uh, I think it's ultralightboatworks.com or it's sabine.com. I'm not sure. I'll find that out. I should know that. Anyway, you guys have a fantastic week. We'll talk to you next time.